Welcome to the Man Under Construction Podcast. It's another episode of the Man Under Construction Podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining me once again, for taking the time to listen. And uh, today we're in for a special treat. We are in for something different. But before I let you know about that, I want to, first of all, I want to thank God for bringing me this far. Uh, past couple of weeks have been uh, a trial for me, have been pretty tough. And uh, I've, been, I've been able to, to stand strong. And I want to thank God for that, for giving me the strength and the courage to push through uh, the hardships and, and different uh, difficulties that life brings. And I also want to thank my wife, Sheila, who stands by me, supports me 100%. She's always there for me. And I love her so much. And uh, he that finds a good woman is a blessed man. So I want to thank her for that. And I want to let her know that I do love her. But like I said, we are in for a special treat. Today, I have a co-pilot here on the Man Under Construction podcast. His name is Chad from A New Kind of Man. And he's going to be riding along with us. So what's going on, Chad? Hey, good to be here. Your co-pilot, I like that. I, I like that, your co-pilot. Just let me know when you, uh, when you need me to take the yoke. I spent years in the aviation industry, so I, I'm familiar with, with flying and whatnot. I, I never flew per se, but um, I was in that industry. So good to be here, good to help, uh, help the men to, uh, you know, to, to be who they're supposed to be and to be the best men that they can be for those that they love. Awesome, man. And I, I really thank you so much for, for taking the time and uh, out of your busy evening to, uh, you know, to join me alongside this podcast. But uh, uh, before we go on, before we, we move forward, or be actually to move forward, I'm sorry, we're going to go ahead and jump into the man of the week. And uh, this, uh, this week's man of the week is going to be Theodore Roosevelt. And my friend Chad here, he's done uh, some research on that. And he's going to go ahead and delve into that and, let, and share a little bit of, of who Theodore is and some of the, the hardships that he faced but came out victorious. And a lot of the lessons that he learned and a lot of the, the principles that he applied are still relevant today. So uh, I think it's, we're, we're in for a special treat uh, just uh, to be able to talk about this and apply the lessons in, in modern times. So go ahead, Chad. Let's, let's go ahead and jump into the man of the week. Yes, the man of the week is Theodore Roosevelt, my favorite president of all time. He is, uh, and he, he is obviously talked about a lot now, and there's been a resurgence of, uh, of some of the virtues that he was about. And he was a very interesting and fascinating man for a bunch of different reasons. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. He also, after years later, he actually won the Cong Congressional Medal of Honor for what he did in Cuba. And he is um, someone who is revered as someone who lived the strenuous life. And many of the things out in the manosphere right now, we talk about men and working out and becoming uh, intellectually sound and being a man of virtue. Uh, a lot of what he stood for is, uh, is what's talked about today. And he he is a man who, who, who suffered a lot, actually, in his childhood. He had asthma, very severe asthma. Mm -hmm. And he, even from an early age, I believe it was his father who told him, he says, uh, 
basically Theodore, if you're, if you're going to be the man, uh, you're going to have to make yourself the man. So you're going to have to uh, take upon this strenuous life and you're going to have to discipline your body to, to make it obey your mind. And he was a ferocious reader. Uh, some stories say he actually read a book a day. I have no idea how in the world he did that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> a book a day, I, I couldn't even read a book a week right now half the time. So that on top of being the, you know, the president of the United States, he was an incredible writer. Uh, he was, he was intellectually sound. He uh, actually lost eyesight in one eye uh, in a boxing match. And a lot of people don't know that. And then after that, he dropped boxing and then took up jujitsu. So, wow. <laughs> so he's like, wow, that makes us incredible. Really weak. Yes. So yeah, he, uh, he, he was somebody who, who faced a lot of, of, of struggle, but he embraced it in his day. Also, there was this uh, message that was going around called muscular Christianity, very much in alignment with uh, the strenuous life. What we talk about now of just putting yourself in rigorous situations so you can grow. And he did that in a bunch of different ways. Uh, whether it was him trying to be a rancher or the hunting trips or as a writer, as a president, as a, uh, a father, his, actually his, his mother and his wife both, both died on the same day. Yeah. So yeah. that uh, uh, just incredible pain that he and endured. I, I, I think during that time when uh, he experienced that is when he retreated for, for several years mm -hmm. into that, uh, I guess uh, a ranch that he, mm -hmm. he had and he just, he just uh, dug himself in work and, and tried to process everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. One of the things I found challenging in my study, though, and, you know, not to, not to judge a man, like I said, because he's, he's done incredible things. But in my reading, just to be fair to what I've seen and the biographies that have been written on him, there is a fair amount, too, of, of in, in that time specifically, a neglect of his own kids. And oh, as, yeah. in his withdrawal that he mm -hmm. would withdraw by himself. And then his uh, extended family then would be the caregiver of his kids. And then he would come back. And when he was there, he was very playful and uh, yeah. he was known as being very jovial and playful. But yet I think that he had to retreat just to process the pain. Yeah. And you can understand. Um, it's a tough situation. Mm -hmm. Very tough situ situation. And uh, to have, uh, like you said, to, to walk away and just to process things, it, it, yeah, I'm more than sure it was a very hard choice to make. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe he felt uh, that he had to do it in order to, to uh, I guess, take a, a short-term uh, pain mm -hmm. to, to be able to come, come out on the other side better. Mm -hmm. And maybe perhaps better to his family and to the country. Yeah, for sure. And that may have just been... Uh, just his way of processing grief. And like I said, yeah. you can't judge someone as to how they process grief, uh, it, especially something as painful as that. But uh, just to be true to his story, you know, yeah, that's yeah, one of, of the course. things that I found and uh, incredible statesman. He, uh, I believe he was the assistant secretary of the Navy. It was, a, is <laughs> one of the things that was interesting too, is, uh, is how he kind of, worked his way into calling shots that he shouldn't have uh, just <laughs> as the assistant secretary of the Navy. But, uh, and a lot of even our, I guess that some of the things about the modern Navy are, he's even accredited to that. So 
larger than life, Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. And uh, about that, that strenuous life, it, uh, it was the name given of a speech he gave in Chicago in, uh, in 1899. And like you said, he goes through a lot of stuff. And, and uh, d- with your study on that, what, what are some of the things that we can, we can take away from that and apply them to, to modern times? Hmm. Yeah, he ever, even in his upbringing, when he was a child and that messaging that he heard from his dad, he just embraced the whole thing to where he, he just, he knew that the way for him to grow was, is, was just going to take discipline. So the strenuous life in many respects is just forcing himself to be disciplined and to, he had to just had an internal motor to be able to do the things physically and to read. And, and he had just such lofty ambitions yeah. that every part of his life, he was, he was going at a hundred percent at all times. And, and bear in mind that he had asthma and not just like, uh, spirit, like just, you know, mild asthma. He had severe asthma. Mm-hmm. So he had to battle that through, uh, doing hard ranch work, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, we know it's not a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. He and he some... lived his message. His message yeah. was the strenuous life. And, uh, so he lived his message and he compelled men to do the same, uh, just to, to go out and to put themselves in situations to grow. He understood, I think better than most men, uh, that the only way that you grow is through intentional stretching. Yeah. And we have to put ourselves in the way of that because we will all just naturally find the path of least resistance. It's right. just part of being human and, and how we're made and every part of us strives to make things easier. But he knew that the only way that he was going to be able to uh, be a man of virtue was that strenuous life. So forcing himself to, to do things and incredible. Really. And uh, do you think that, that some of those uh, virtues and principles are a little outdated or antiquated uh, or, or they're, they're very relevant to modern society? Well, I think they're very relevant. I mean, for him, uh, kindness, honor, uh, just being a man of virtue, a virtuous man. He, he even viewed it as his responsibility as someone who was uh, aristocratic and who, who grew up with wealth. But he viewed his, his position uh, as just a tool to help out somebody who was poor or somebody who didn't have as much as him. Mm-hmm. So in it is the, is the virtue of service was strong in his message. And I think that's so relevant today. I mean, uh, that's, that's some of the main core principles that, that my work is founded upon yeah. is, is service and sacrifice. And so his, his was a whole life of service, you know, even to, to the degree that even when it cost him, and of course he was wealthy, but even if it cost him a lot of things, he personally uh, put himself in situations because of his upbringing to, to see his position and even his wealth. I believe it was because of his father who, who, was, who really wanted to help uh, those less fortunate so that he lived that message because of his dad, that Theodore lived that message because his dad instilled yeah. that in him. Yeah. So well, I think it's absolutely relevant today. I mean, every, yeah. I think every part of that's relevant and, uh, and physically, I think there's, there's something there as well. I mean, we have to, if we're going to provide 
strength and to sacrifice and provide service for those around us, we have to take care of our bodies. Exactly. Yeah, we do. We got to in, in order to, to make the journey last or, or to be able to push for a lifelong uh, pursuit of something, we got to take care of ourselves. If not, uh, that journey will be cut short because simply because we didn't, we felt to neglect our, our own self, our body. Mm-hmm. And there but, was some of the, <clears throat> some of the people who, who, who had said that they thought that he had just ran himself ragged several times mm-hmm. where he would, because of the strenuous life that he would just, he would just run, run, run. And, and people didn't understand, you know, how in the world that he was able to do the things that he did. But I think there was something about when he withdrew to go to the ranch or yeah. to go into the outdoors, that that yeah. was his way of breathing a little bit, you unplugging. know, restoring some strength. Yeah. And unplugging for sure. Yeah. But um, do, do you think that the men of today are, are prepared or even willing to take on that strenuous life now, nowadays? Uh, with with everything you know so uh instant gratification you know microwave uh everything uh, do you think that that the men of today are are willing to make that sacrifice or, or it's a just a an oddity it's it's a few men that discover that and want to throw that on well i personally think that it's just a few men actually i think that we all need to to shout that message to the rooftop, you know, from the rooftops. So everybody hears it. What I've seen, unfortunately, is a lot of men are busy and tired and, and not necessarily for the right reasons. They're just busy and tired. And I think there's so much of, uh, so many men that I'm around or, or that I'm observing just from my world as men who, who need to understand, maybe pull back a little bit and reevaluate what they're spending their time and energy on. Yeah. And to, to unplug, recharge, and to engage in the areas that matter most. I, I, it just crossed my mind right now when you said that nowadays uh, a lot of men are just busy. But could it be that, that they're just maybe focusing all that energy on, on non-productive, non, non-edifying things? Mm-hmm. Uh, things that don't uh, build your your mind, your heart, your spirit, mm-hmm. and and uh, kind of like a dog that chases his own tail, just running in circles, and and they get tired. They're tired physically, mm-hmm. tired mentally, but only because you've been running around in circles and and not focused it on something that edifies you, edifies the the, the man inside of you. Yeah, so absolutely. we are busy, but I think we're just uh, kind of like mice on on that wheel. Mm-hmm. Just running, just running for the sake of running without a purpose, without a reason or, or a mm-hmm. target to run at. So I, I, and I say that because I was, I was that, that man, you know, mm-hmm. I was that man just running in circles, running on that hamster wheel. And until I, uh, until I, I hit a wall and I realized that I got to target all that running, all that energy on something that, that builds me, something that exercises my mind and exercises mm-hmm. uh, my spirit. And uh, my body as well, kind of like the, like, like you said, that strenuous life. And and, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, I, I still battle this. I I try and be very productive. I don't want to be wasteful of anything, but I can get looped into, into wasting time or, 
and, and just have, I, I can just tend to drift into non-productive things and then wonder where my time went. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. Nowadays, and it's super easy nowadays because everything mm-hmm. is, is at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. So, I, and it's not something that I've mastered yet. I, I do get caught up in mm-hmm. whatever, just mind-numbing things that you know aren't aren't really relevant or edifying. And, and they all have have its place. I think uh, once in a while you got to just unplug, do something that mm-hmm. really doesn't require you to think. Yes. And uh, it all has its place. But when it starts to dominate everything else, and you neglect the mind, body, and soul, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, that's, that's when it becomes trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I mean, they're all connected in that. Yeah. If, if any one of those areas in my own life, if any one of those areas is failing, I feel it, you know, mind, body, soul. It's if, if I am, if I am deficient or if I'm depleted in any of those, I just, I just feel it. I just know, okay, either I'm mentally fried or physically I just haven't had a day off or haven't, haven't prioritized time off. So I've been just running, you know, the hamster on a wheel thing mm-hmm. and, uh, or, or spiritually, if I maybe have done all these other things and, uh, and I haven't recharged and, and centered before God and allowed his spirit to replenish me, Yeah, man, I mean, that is just like, it feels like my bones are deteriorating when that happens. Uh, yeah. And, and given, you know, what you do, uh, as, a as, as your occupation or, or yeah. uh, the, the call that you have on your life, it's easy mm-hmm. just to pour and pour and pour. And uh, just like that glass of water that eventually, if, if you don't refill it, it just runs dry. That's so right. yeah, I can totally, totally see that. And yeah, we, we got to always stay on top of that. We always got to focus on, on replenishing every aspect, mm-hmm. every aspect of our, of our being or of who we are as, as men. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, that, that's, that's really, that's really awesome. That's really amazing. When you sit down and think about it, it's, it's, it's complex, it's delicate, but it's also beautiful and amazing and kind of blows your mind away. If you just really think about how it's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, I, like I was saying, I, I uh, like we were talking about, I think, a lot of men of today aren't willing to take on that strenuous life. Right. And uh, I think what we're doing is, is calling attention to that. And we just got to keep doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I agree. And that's, you know, that of the, the work that I do with a new kind of man, it's, it has been heavily influenced by the strenuous life, mm-hmm. by my reading of Roosevelt. The pillars of my work is not, because of Roosevelt, but yet it's evident in Roosevelt's life. Yeah. And uh, the, the pillars of my work is actually rooted in the Bible and what Jesus did in, in uh, Luke two fifty two, it said that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. So the four pillars of my work is, is Jesus grew in wisdom. So intellectual ability, stature, meaning physical strength, yeah. And in favor with God, spiritual maturity, and then in favor with man is relational integrity. Yeah. So, so that's, these are very much evident in even the strenuous life in what, what Roosevelt did. Uh, but really my, my work is rooted in what it said of Jesus. And I thought, man, we, he is, he is the perfect archetype of a man. 
So I wanted to drill into whatever the Bible said about him and then have that be the, the pillars of my work. But yet, and I'm sure you can, I'm sure you can kind of connect this and you listeners can connect this too. parts of the strenuous life are so evident, even in the pillars. Yeah. And, and now that you mentioned your work, let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the, I, I know that we were going to do this podcast uh, as soon as you launched your, mm-hmm. your website, but uh, we, we had some uh, conflicts of, of schedules and, yeah. and of course, uh, and you're familiar with the certain things that happen, you know, yeah. in, in my life. So we had to postpone that, but let's, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and jump into that. So be a new kind of man.com. What, mm-hmm. What's that all about? Tell us about your website, uh, what you want to do with it, what mm-hmm. it's founded on and, and uh, the mission statement. What, what yeah. like w- when people go visit it, what, would someone expect to find at a new kind of man? Yeah, it's uh, the website is www.beanewman.com. And my handle on Instagram is at a new kind of man. So what you would find is, uh, and it's still, it's still early in the process of the website. I will be launching a podcast. So that would be the splash page for my podcast and get all of the details there. But also what, uh, it's going to be the hub of my writing. So I blog not as much as, as I uh, guest or what I'll speak uh, on my own podcast. And uh, the podcast is going to be called New Kind of Man. So you'll be able to find all of that on the website as well. Okay. But uh, so it's a hub of my writing uh, for public speaking, but then uh, also the podcast. And really, I just want it to be a resource to help men grow, to grow stronger in those four pillars. So that the the site itself is, it puts those pillars out front. So if a if a man wants to grow intellectually, spiritually, relationally, or physically, I want that to be a great resource for men. So what I hope to do in the future is bring in people who are even more so experts and they're honed into these areas, and then it creates uh, again like a just a, a new man community, if you mm-hmm. will. And to tie into the website, but really just highlight other people who are experts because I don't know everything I'm growing, you know, so it's, it's as much of a tool for me to grow as it is for somebody else to grow. <laughs> yeah. So I need, uh, I need all the, the instruction that I can get all the reminders I can get so I can be the new kind of man that, that God wants me to be. Yeah. So, and I, I've read some of, some of your work. And I enjoy it. I love reading it. And, uh, like you said, awesome. it's, it's, uh, stuff that people can can apply to their lives and, and mm-hmm. be a, a new man, be a new yeah. kind of man, an elevated uh, version of yourself. And I, I do find that in, in what you write. And I really appreciate what you write. And thank you. Um, so I encourage anyone who's, who's out there listening, you know, visit uh, the website. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the website again is a new man, be a new man, be a new man, be a new man.com. And, uh, so any, any date on when you're going to launch that first, first podcast? You know, I'm laying, I'm laying down tracks right now. I've got some, I've got a laying intro. down tracks, laying down. Whoa, whoa. Well, you know, <laughs> DJ, DJ Chad. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Far <laughs> from that. But uh, yeah, so I'm laying down some tracks for the intro and outro. I've got that done. Just needs to be mixed a little. I've got a friend of mine who's going to do that. Okay. Awesome. And yeah, so it's projected that I'll be releasing around the first of the year. Oh, okay. Um, I, I don't, too far. no, it's not. I could, I, I don't really don't want to rush into it, especially with the holidays and everything coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's exciting. 
I, one of the things that I've I found is uh, just communicating like this is really a great outlet for, for my own brain that working yeah. things out and just communicating it, it just cements it into me. So I, I want to use my uh, podcast in a similar way that you're trying to use yours to, to help men to grow stronger yeah. uh, relationally, spiritually, physically, you know, in every aspect of life. So, uh, so that's really what I want to do with the podcast and to help them grow stronger. And I'm going to spotlight men who, who are winning in those areas, Yeah, you know, or who have become new men in one aspect or another to, to show us the, the, the nuggets, to give us the nuggets and the, the tools to say, well, you know, if he did this, then I can do this too. So then we can be both uh, encouraged and also challenged. And, um, and I can't wait to hear that first episode. I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. And I celebrate with you. Thanks. So I can't wait to, to jump into that, uh, that podcast as well. But, uh, you, you, uh, you, rem- you reminded me of something. Um, I've been, uh, listen, well, it, an audio book. Yeah. Uh, it says, uh, the title of it is love the Lord with all your mind. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned like, uh, to have like intellectual conversations yes. about, uh, you know, real things about ourselves, about God. Mm-hmm. And, and this uh, author highlights that on, on a whole different level. I'm listening to it and it's like blowing my mind. And then, mm-hmm. and he goes into how, um, actually there's a verse in, in the Bible that says, you know, love the Lord with all your mm-hmm. uh, mind, body and spirit, soul and strength. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. Uh, I might've misquoted that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're close. You're right there. Uh, but uh, he, he highlights, but he, he talks about how like the modern day church is, is, has focused more on the emotional side of it that mm-hmm. we're, we're, our sermons are written out of, for emotion. Uh, the way we react is out of emotion and that's mm-hmm. good. That's not a bad thing, but we've, ne- we've neglected the intellectual part of it. Right. And uh, he, he talks about how uh, God uh, designed us to be intellectuals. And then he, he breaks down how um, the authors of the, of the new Testament, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John, mm-hmm. some were uh, just fishermen. Right. But then they wrote this book in just like a very uh, articulate way. Mm-hmm. So it, throughout that, you know, from from when they were fishermen to when they wrote it, they they grew in knowledge. They they knew how to articulate their thoughts mm-hmm. and and the stories uh, of Jesus and and their journey with mm-hmm. with Jesus as well. So uh, it was just a different take, and I I was really blown away by it. Just how. Uh, and, and it was actually a hit spot on. A, a lot of times we neglect that intellectual part about mm-hmm. knowing uh, God and how connecting, how to connect things, you know, between our, our mind and, and soul that, you know, connects with God. It's, it was just kind of, I'm still in the process of, of, of chopping it down, but it was just amazing how uh, it just kind of triggered a thought uh, mm-hmm. when you said, you know, you want to have intellectual conversations and, yeah. and talk about, you know, deep things, but to be able to talk about it from a a logical sense, kind of like a, mm-hmm. a like you said, a, well, like we mentioned, uh, intellectual aspect to right. get men to think, you know, just beyond just like I feel this way or beyond, you know, this makes me feel like this. I get excited just with this, but to pull that aside and, you know, okay, I feel this way and these are good feelings, but let me break down 
because uh, emotions come and go. Right. But if you break something down in your mind and you understand it mm-hmm. and uh, it's easier to, to grasp onto that truth that you've uh, understood mm-hmm. because like, like we, I said, emotions can be fleeting. You know, you can feel happy one day and then sad, but if you know mm-hmm. something for a fact and you've dissected it intellectually, it, it, it has a better way. It has a higher chance of sticking with you when you understand it. And when you take that approach to, uh, God's word and understanding, you know, who God is, of course, we'll never get there, but to understand just little, uh, snippets of who God is, sure. it becomes, you know, ingrained in us a little bit better than our, our fleeting emotions. So I thought that was just really awesome. That perspective. Yeah, I, I love that perspective. And I, I, I've seen some of that too. I, and consequently, what I've also seen is, um, because there hasn't been enough of the intellectual side, and because of you know, some other circumstances, what I've seen is men leaving the church or not coming to the church. And it's seen, and it's many churches have, unfortunately, I mean, just gotten kind of watered down and the message has gotten watered down or it's gotten feminized or something it's, like it's that. It's about making me feel good. Right. Uh, and, uh, and while there is an aspect of, there's an aspect of the Bible that absolutely should help us to be able to process our emotions. But yet yeah. what I, what I've said is uh, our emotions are, are great servants, but they're terrible masters. Yeah. And they serve us incredibly well. And yet if we're dominated by our emotions, we, they have to be grounded in something that's beyond our feeling. And, and the intellectual side is, is one of those intriguing things for men. I mean, I, I think that most men are, they, they want to learn and they want to, if you, if you summarize it and you make everything seem like you, you know, a third grader can receive it, then it's going to seem like all I need is a third grader faith. And that to me is, there have been incredible minds who, who tried to explore the Bible to find out more about God and, and they live their whole lives and they're very well known for it, but yet they just scratch the surface. Yeah. So, so while we can, we, we can have childlike faith, that doesn't mean that we should just have childlike intelligence well, or intellect. If we talk about that, um, when, uh, when it's referenced to have childlike faith or to, mm-hmm. or when he says, you know, uh, unless you're, like one of these uh, children, you won't mm-hmm. you won't enter the kingdom. I think that's more as into trusting, uh, and, and uh, almost like uh, listening, mm-hmm. like trusting and, and being able to listen. And because when you talk to a child, uh, let's say you're a dad, well, you know, like your children or my mm-hmm. daughter, when I say something, they trust you, or like uh, that child that's going to jump off. Uh, off of the bed into your arms, like mm-hmm. that, that kind of like that, that trust that, you know what, yeah, you know, I know, I know my dad's going to catch me. So, uh, in my perspective, when he says, you know, to have that childlike faith, it's almost like God, you know, you know, jump off the bed, mm-hmm. I'm going to catch you. And you're like that child, you know, just not without even a doubt, simply believing that if I jump, my dad's going to catch me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, uh, in, in my perspective and it, I, you know, I could be way off, but, 
I think that's what it re- references uh, to have uh, that kind of faith, more like uh, in a trusting way, not uh, to have childlike faith in intellectual aspect. Mm-hmm. So um, I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> you reminded me of that. So yeah, I think I I agree with you. I think it is that too, and it's in it is a childlike faith. It's 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 believing that God can. Yeah, and you know, you look at a child and. And think about an imagination of a child. So many mm-hmm. times as we become adults, we become more attached to things and we have responsibilities and we're paying bills and we have to go to work and we have, we're driving kids around and we're doing all these things. One of the things that just escapes us is imagination. Yeah. The sense of wonder with a, with a child, childlike faith is, is it's wonder. It's, I know that God can, I know that God has, and I believe that he will. And children still have that belief. They're, they're not all bogged down. Okay, some, some kids are because they've had <laughs> trauma done to them, of course. Uh, so, and, and, of course, when we talk, we, we talk in, in not as a – maybe in an, an anecdotal sense. As, absolutely. As, as things as, – as they should be. Not, of course, we understand that. You yeah, know, there's kids that, that suffer great things, but right. yeah, generally, like for the majority of the population, mm-hmm. most kids, uh, we're not trying to uh, blanket, uh, you know, yes. or neglect or put aside those other uh, right. kids that do suffer some stuff. So when we right. say stuff like that, uh, I know I've had to clarify sometimes, you know, oh, all children, we, I mean it more like in a general sense, majority oh, yeah. of children, you know, yes. that's not to say we don't care about the, the younger children. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's amazing. And actually, I did a little, uh, a little bit of studying into that uh, childlike faith. Now that you, you brought it up, I mm-hmm. guess we can uh, jump into it. But also, too, uh, you ever notice when, when you're a child, you're always looking for your dad or your parents. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember when my daughter was uh, uh, younger, uh, even, even the bathroom wasn't safe. You know, you'd go in there and you'd see the little hands peeping under the, <laughs> peeping under the door. And I think uh, a certain aspect of that too, uh, when he references, you know, to be, unless you're like these child, you know, kind of the, the child always wanted to be around the parents. Yeah. So Great there's word. an aspect of it too, that, you know, be like that child that always wants to be around uh, the father mm-hmm. that always wants to be, you know, in connection with God. Yeah. So there's another aspect of it, of, of that childlike faith. You know, even uh, not, that's not to say that, <laughs> that God goes to, you know, an area to seclude himself for privacy, sure. but, but that, that searching, that always longing to, to be in, in sight of, you know, your father or your parents to be in that connection with them. Always, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at, you know, you can always see those little hands peeping that's under right. the door. So, so uh, kind of like you said, that wonder that always searching yeah. uh, is another aspect of that childlike faith. It's, yeah. it's actually beautiful if you sit down and think about it. It's, it's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing. You know, I think that, you know, as, as what I was saying too, is I think with a lot of adults, we miss that. We miss the, we, you know, as, as Christians, we, we tend to, we look at the Bible and say, well, I know that God, God did, but yet we've lost the ability to realize that God still can. And it's childlike faith that lights that up to where we look at the we look at the God of the Bible and say, no, he's the God of today. And if God can do miracles, if he did miracles 
and it's, it's written in the pages of the Bible, he can do miracles today. And he is doing miracles today. Yeah. And it's that childlike faith that also is going to invite us to pray, to, like you were saying, like just to be around the Father and, and to talk to him and to pray and say, you know, and to pray and intercede and all these types of things and believing in faith and praying in faith. Yeah. You know, for God to show up in incredible ways. And I think that's one of the things that's missing. And I think this ties back to what I was saying earlier is guys are just busy and tired. And it's kind of like they just kind of put their head down and they, they're, you know, I don't think they choose to. I think it's just a consequence of, of a bunch of different things. Yeah. But, uh, but I think they just, that a lot of guys tend to land there and they miss, uh, what they could have with a life connected to God. Yeah, exactly. And um, like we were saying uh, to kind of tie in, it's important, mm-hmm. like it's important to have that childlike perspective, mm-hmm. but like you were saying, like what you want to do with your podcast, mm-hmm. uh, 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 like not having that perspective is not going to like, it's a part of it. It's an aspect of, of, of maturing and growing sure. and you need to hold on to it, but you also got to embrace, like we were talking about, what we try to do with our podcast is, is build the intellectual part yes, and, and merge those together right? And, and have that faith and that wonder. And I think when you have that faith and that wonder and you connect it with intellectual uh, thought, oh my mm-hmm. God, like you're, you're, you expand your, your wisdom. You, you're constantly mm-hmm. searching about uh, different aspects about uh, God or life or about man. And uh, I, I think I, I, I I have a little bit of that wonder because I'm always like trying to dig, you know, and trying mm-hmm. to trying to search and always reading. And, uh, you know, of course, you too, with the research that you do and mm-hmm. the studies that you do for, for uh, what you do for your, your page or whatnot. We, right. we've, uh, we have that sense of wonder. We want more. And we just got to let other guys know that that, that wonder is, is amazing and it, it changes your life. Mm-hmm. It changes your perspective. The more you know, the more you understand. And uh, the more you understand, the more you can do. Right. And the more you do, the more impact that you can have and that you can have uh, on the people around you. Right. Yeah. And this, to me, this, this goes really full circle in what we've talked about thus far. Uh, just the, the strenuous life, spiritually speaking and the, the and intellectually speaking, it's the only way that we're going to grow in those areas is to be stretched. Yeah. So with, with my work with the new kind of man is I want to help men to be stretched. Uh, I, I want, I want to be stretched. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to interview people who are way smarter than me, who are way more physically fit than me, way more, you know, they've written books on relationships. I, I, I want all of that to, to not just give uh, my version, but somebody who's studied and somebody who's an expert. So we can all stretch and grow. Yeah. And, and all growth is, all growth is hard. It just is. It, it's hard. It's, 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 it's just, it is, you know, when you're uh, physically speaking, you know, when it comes to working out, like you literally have to tear the muscle apart, you rip the muscle and then it grows back stronger. Mm-hmm. And even when you're growing up or, or stretching, when your bones are stretching, that's painful too. I remember I'm six yes. one now. Uh, but when I was hitting that growth spurt, man, my legs were always hurting and, and it's a painful process, mm-hmm. but, but now I'm a, I'm a giant. So that's pretty awesome. 
<laughs> a giant compared to me because I'm not six one. Uh, so, but even that, you know, even relationally, like the times that uh, my wife and I've been married, it'll be 26 years next month. Oh man, and that's that's awesome. It, it is, and it's just a just a you know. It, but there's been a lot of growth. There's been growth on both of our parts, mm-hmm. but that growth is hard. You know, for us to to kind of learn one another and to uh, give one another grace and to be merciful and to work out forgiveness. I mean, we, it, all of that is, is stretching in one way or the other. Yeah. And it's not, it's not all these almost 26 years. They haven't all been perfect. We've had some messy years. Yeah. And, uh, and yet you, you know, you stretch and grow and, and you try and minimize regrets as much as you can, but you move on. You learn from the mistakes. And you yeah. build upon them and, and yeah. And sometimes you might repeat mistakes. <laughs> right. It's like a toolbox. You know, I yeah. used to push around a toolbox for, for a living. I mean, I worked on business jets. That's what I did. I have a, a degree to, to, I have an airframe and power plans license to work on airplanes and helicopters still. Yeah. Thankfully I'm not, <laughs> uh, but, but I did. And in that essentially that industry fed our family for 10 years. It was, it was great. Yeah. But I push around the toolbox. For me, I'm always wanting to expand my toolbox intellectually, relationally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a great analogy. In, in relation, I mean, in all four of those, those pillars, I'm trying to expand my toolbox. I want to, to learn what I can. I learn from your podcast. I learn from other podcasts, from books. I mean, I'm a, just a, you know, an avid reader. Uh, just always, always taking in books. So for me, I'm wanting to just expand that toolbox in those four pillars, specifically for those four pillars. And that's going to help me in every way. It's going to help me uh, governing the relationships to be a dad, to be a husband, to be a friend, to uh, be a leader of men, to be a discipler of men, to be, uh, you know, a podcaster, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. Um so in, in every way, I want to expand those toolboxes. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what we're doing. And uh, I'm trying to do that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I still got a long way to go. And, and um, I, I think, and uh, before we switch uh, topics, I, I wanted to say one more thing and maybe get your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we cease to learn because, uh, and I'm, I'm speaking maybe, uh, or perhaps from a, a Christian perspective, you know, it's like, oh, we got, you know, we got the truth. Right. And when we have that, that perspective or that mindset, that somewhat promotes uh, or disincentivizes mm-hmm. our, our desire to push for more, to learn more, because in our mind was like, oh, okay, we already got it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, it, it almost hinders our, our desire to, to search for more truth mm. because in our mind, we've already got everything right. we needed to get. So I, I think that's a, and maybe just by a switching that perspective, you know, that, okay, perhaps maybe I just got a glimpse of the truth mm-hmm. because I mean, if, if God is truth and then you say, you know, all of truth, that's, that's like saying, you know, all of God, which is not possible. Right. So if we 
you just simply switch our perspective at, you know, maybe I just got a, a glimpse of who God is and there's so mm-hmm. much more that I need to search for. Maybe that will change our desire uh, to keep digging, like you said, digging intellectually, spiritually, mm-hmm. emotionally. And uh, just maybe that little change in perspective could get the, the ball rolling. I know it has for me. And just understanding that all I've done is just a speck of who or how big God is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if I could just, get another little speck of who he is. I, you know, that'd be awesome. And then just keep going from there, you know, just understanding that you don't have it all. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing. I I think that for us, once you actually, you know, you mentioned the Bible, it's like when you actually go into the Bible and you look at it and you say, wow, there is, there is a lot to this. I mean, when you look at, you know, David and Goliath, so many times we hear those stories and we're like, blah, 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 blah. Okay. David wins, Goliath dies, you yeah. know, and, and maybe get lost in all the details. Oh, it's estimated he was nine feet tall and the sling and stone. He cut his head off. I mean, all these types of things in miss. I'm like, what is the, but what's the big story in all of that? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the big stories in the Bible? Not, not story. I'm not talking about, you know, events. Right. I'm not talking about events. I'm talking about like, what is God doing in the world and how can I take part in that today? Mm -hmm. So, and that's huge. You know, that's to be able to recover. I mean, even the think about the, the wounds that, that we have all endured and that there's a pathway even in the Bible and through God to have those wounds healed. That can't be they can't be healed, you know, on on their own. We can't just like, oh, I'm just gonna take care of this, all of this trauma. Like you literally have to go in and spiritually explore your past to so God can show you those wounds so he can heal them because that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And in the and, process, you end up discovering more. Yes. Yes. And it's like, it's amazing. Yeah. It is and, it is amazing exactly what I had to do. And as I dug further or I moved some, uh, some chest, some locked chest of secrets that I had, I moved that and I discovered that there was another chest I had never explored. It's right. just, there's so many, it's just so much depth to it. Yeah. So, and, and to every degree, there's more freedom. Yeah. You know, that's what I've experienced is there's just more freedom. And then, you know, you get to the point where you're like, Oh man, this feels amazing. This is like a new perspective on life. And yet then there's a, like you use the analogy, like there's another chest and open it up and you're like, Oh my goodness. And then it's like, I never thought this was here. Yeah. I'm so thankful that it is. Yeah. And, and that you have to do the digging. You have to, you have to get out of that mindset. Like uh, I had mentioned like, Oh, I got it all figured out. Right. And switch it to, you know what? I just have a little bit figured out. Let me search for more. And just that little, little switch of, of the mindset makes the biggest difference. I, I know it has in me. And it's made me more hungry for, for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Right. And not just, uh, of course, in spiritual things, but sure. uh, in, uh, in the area of philosophy, understanding, right. uh, uh, marriage, yep. uh, you know, just being a brother relationship. It's just mm-hmm. uh, opened up a, a desire to, to learn more. And it, it's, it's changed my perspective a lot. Yeah, and if I could... If I could encourage uh, the listeners with something too, it's when we talk about the the strenuous life, people tend to go, uh, not people, but guys tend to go like, oh, I need to go to the gym. 
or I need to do the latest P90X workout, or I need to go do CrossFit, <laughs> or I need to do all these types of things. And I like those things. Don't get me wrong. I like those things. They're a regular part of what I do, of my normal rhythm of life. And I'm a better individual when I am moving my body and doing movements like that. Mm -hmm. But the strenuous life is more than that. Strenuous life also is, is strenuously uh, embracing some fears. Maybe there's, there's a little part of us that is like, I just don't know if I want to, if I want to go to that level emotionally with my wife. Yeah. Well, that's the strenuous life. You embrace that so you can move forward. You know, so it's, it's, it's not just in a physical sense. Like now I'm going to go do jujitsu because that's what Teddy Roosevelt did. You know, yeah. it, instead it's like, no, I want to embrace the strenuous life in every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. And in especially the areas that I tend to neglect, you know, guys, they want to talk about the size of their biceps and how much they can bench press and squat and, you know, how many pull-ups they can do and all of these types of things. But yet what, what guys tend to neglect is, is the real relational issues at home. Yeah. And a lot of that is just overcompensating for something that's missing. Right. I'm not saying all the time, no, but for sure. uh, uh, a lot of times uh, people are get over obsessed over a certain thing to compensate for something that's lacking. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I, and I, I say that from experience. I'm not trying to single anyone out. Mm -hmm. I've seen that in myself. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. I mean, my personality type is, is, <laughs> it's a funny story. I'll tell you the story. Uh, I've never said this on a podcast, by the way. So here you go. Uh, get ready. All right. I feel honored. Bring it yeah. on. So when my wife and I got married, we, we both got, we, we were both 19 when we got married. So we had life figured out. Of course, you know, we're 19, what 19 yeah. year old doesn't. Yeah. And of course, all the kidding. answers. Right. Of course. Uh, so we had no idea how to deal with conflict. My, I wasn't even a Christian at the time. So my idea of conflict was I'd heard somewhere you just don't go to sleep angry. So we would, we would have, we would have it out and we'd have words and, and we'd sit there and I would not let my wife go to sleep. Like I would not let her go to sleep. I was like, no, we're not going to bed angry. And like, it was just, and then, and then eventually three or four or five o'clock in the morning, she's like, I'm going to sleep. Like you do whatever you want. And so she would roll over and go to sleep and it would just make me more mad. One of the ways that I did, I had no idea how to process all this. Right. Yeah. No idea. And, and I wasn't, wasn't doing it right. I wasn't doing it well. The only way that I could do to process it. And you talk about avoidance is we lived in an apartment complex and I was an E1 in the Navy made, and then I made E2. And I thought, you know, I was like, I went from spam to, to burgers on the grill. And I thought, you know, I was the king. I mean, it was like to, to that degree. Right. <laughs> so I would, we were, we were living in this apartment. And when we would have these conflicts, I literally would run around the apartment complex. Instead of actually learning how to talk to my wife, I would just have all this energy and all this frustration. And I literally would just run myself tired in essence to bury it. Yeah. And she would sleep soundly like after all that happened and I would, I would literally run around it at night and it was now I sit back and it's just like the most foolish thing. And it's because I didn't know how to process all that stuff. I, I had no idea. I had no direction on how to work through the conflict, how to even, 
have a conversation and the, the whole relational integrity. I didn't know how to be honest with her about what was going on inside of me. I had no idea how to, how to articulate that. Yeah. So I had all this energy and angst as a 19 and then 20 year old. I was like, I'm just going to go run around the apartment complex until I'm exhausted. Because that's the perfect uh, logical thing to do. Yes. So at 19. Right. That's your takeaway from this podcast, right? <laughs> but but I, all that to say that, I mean, honestly, it was just, a, it was an avoidance. Yeah. And, and in some ways, I think I was running and almost abusing my own body because I, I just had this internal frustration that I didn't know what to do with and I wasn't handling it in the way that I could. So the only way to handle it was to take it all upon myself and run until I was just flat exhausted. And, and people deal with it differently. I mean, like you would run uh, and uh, thank God it didn't turn into uh, drugs or, or alcohol right. just different. You For just, sure. that's the way you buried it. So uh, yeah, I can understand, but it was in a healthy way to do it. I mean, for me, I would do the same thing. I would just shut down and mm. not say anything. I would just completely shut down, stay silent. Don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't helpful to anyone. I was just actually just, yeah, like you said, I was hurting myself and, uh, and it all came out eventually. Right. But uh, I've, I've learned the lessons to try to process all that mm -hmm. and try to take care of that. And same here. I mean, there was so much, uh, so many issues that I had and actually we covered on the last podcast, some yeah. of those issues that was driving bad behaviors and I wasn't a man of integrity. A, a man of integrity is honest on the outside about what's going on in the inside. And to me, that's what integrity is. It's being honest on the outside as to what's going on in the inside. Exactly right. And I was not a man of integrity. I, I couldn't talk about it without, without it being a meltdown. And, and there was a lot of those wounds that needed to be healed. And yet, and yet foolishly, man, I'd be out there. I'm sure, I'm sure my neighbors thought I was just something else. And, uh, and <laughs> this was like in the, in the wee hours of the night, I assume. Yeah, it was. It was. You're talking yep. about you were burning the midnight oil, literally? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Orange Park, Florida. It's where we lived at the time. Oh, just, man. I don't know. It's silly. It's funny. We laugh about it now, but um, that was real for us. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure you're not alone. Just people de uh, deal with it differently. So, right. Oh man, but uh, to I know uh, there's no uh, I know we hit some hardcore stuff. Yeah, and uh, some deep stuff. There's mm -hmm. a, there is actually uh, there isn't a proper segue well. to <laughs> to what we're going to transition to. But we're going to touch a little bit about the NFL. Man, that's deep. That cuts deep. I'm a Dolphins fan, and we haven't won a single game. It doesn't get much deeper than that. Yeah, we're below the surface now. We're talking about some real, some real issues. Man, and I'm I'm a long-term suffering Dolphins fan. To my left, you can't see it right now. I've got a throwback helmet from the '80s, like oh, literally man. thrown way back from the '80s. Uh, I became a fan back in the Dan Marino days. And uh, been a fan ever since, but man, they don't make it easy. <laughs> oh man, I, that's all I remember. That's all I remember the Dan Marino days. Yeah, but uh, oh, and but I'm I'm here in Texas, mm -hmm. so uh, it's either uh, you're Texans or or a Cowboys fan, right? And I'm 
I'm not a fan of the Texans, and I'm a casual observer of the Cowboys. Okay. Not necessarily a fan. Uh, I was I was more of a fan with uh, the Troy Aikman days, Emmett Smith and, and mm-hmm. Michael Irvin. Those were those were pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, times to be to be following the Cowboys. And uh, and and my wife is going to listen to this. I'm a because of her. I'm a fan of the of the Chiefs. Uh, She's oh. a big Chiefs fan. She's a big Chiefs fan. So she's kind of gotten me into it. And I, uh, I like Patrick Mahomes. I like his mm-hmm. demeanor, the way he carries yeah. himself. He's a, a good uh, sportsman. Yep. But he seems like thing- he's having fun on the field. And that's yeah. what I love about it. Yeah. For him, he just looks like he is just a kid on the playground, just having a blast. But he's got an incredible skill set, too. Yeah. Yeah. He can run. He can move. Yep. Um, but uh, like, like – uh, Unfortunately, like most mobile quarterbacks, they, they do suffer from injuries a little more than, mm-hmm. than you would say a, a pocket uh, quarterback, as in uh, the, the love-hated uh, Tom Brady. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. It, you know, and it's kind of an incredible time even to be an NFL fan because I think that there's, there's a, a transition happening. You know, Tom Brady is like a – he's a, almost a throwback to the older – like Dan Marino type where they're not running. They're just more traditional quarterback. Yeah. Position. You sit back and, you know, two, two, three step drop and let go of the ball. And I mean, Tom Brady's incredible. He's a, he is to me, in, in my opinion, he is the best of all time. I, I don't know how, I don't know how anybody else could say anything else as to what he's done and the teams that he's been on. Uh, I still root against the Patriots. So don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm not betraying my team, but, it's such an interesting time in the NFL with all the rules now yeah. protecting quarterbacks and protecting just vulnerable players and those kinds of things, which, yeah. you know, there's mixed reviews on some of that. I mean, I'm for protecting the players, but I think they've maybe gone a little too far, but yeah, even they've protecting, sissified it a little bit, a little bit. And, and I, you know, I remember, I remember watching highlights from the Raiders that they would drag you across like, they would drag you for 10 yards and throw you on the ground. Yes. And no, no foul was called. Right. And they'd like, step man. on your chest on her way through. Yeah. Like, man, that was intense. And now yeah. like you, 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 uh, you run past them and, and the little wind throws off their balance and you get called for right. a foul. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of those fouls. I think that are just like, Oh man, just the wrong place at the wrong time kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe they you got they momentum elevate. on you. You're That's already running right. at full speed. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. And then you get called for, for something like that. Yeah. But, but the, the, the one thing I wanted to say about the Cowboys and I don't mm-hmm. know, I'm pretty sure we got Cowboy fans out there. Oh man. Cowboy fans are ruthless. It's true. I mean, and they're loyal. I, I, they're incredibly loyal. Yeah. They, they like, <laughs> I remember poor Romo. They would oh. like, Oh my gosh. They would tear him up so bad. I mean, on paper and, and by the numbers, he was actually an all right quarterback. Uh, of course, later towards his, his later years, he would, he was prone to injury, but right. he actually had pretty good numbers. Mm-hmm. It's just that he wasn't meeting their expectations and they wanted his, his helmet on a plate. Right. So, I rooted for him all the time. He actually went to college at Eastern Illinois University. And my wife went her freshman year. She went on scholarship uh, to Eastern. And so I rooted for him like crazy. And they would talk about how, how gifted he is. And then they just never pulled through. Like he never had the team 
to, yeah. to really do something big, but they seem like they're really close. Yeah. They were still, uh, they were still putting the pieces together. Yeah. And I think they, they have now mm-hmm. uh, on paper, they have all the pieces, but something's not functioning. Mm-hmm. And uh, the crazy thing is, is, is if you let the, the, the fans down for one game, two games, they, they want, they want you out of there. <laughs> I mean, I even heard rumors or uh, I'm pretty sure you saw the rumors that uh, Jason Garrett's job is in jeopardy. Yeah. I re- even remember the first year that uh, Prescott played and he wasn't doing well a couple of games and they were like, bring Romo back. It was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, man, come on, give the guy a break. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, those fans, are they're, they're loyal, but they are ruthless. Uh, it's so true. Now, Dolphins and, and, were and on it, the... And I'm sure it's, it's like that for each... Uh, you know, a team that's out there, you know, their, their mm-hmm. fans are, are oh, for just sure. as ruthless. Yeah. You know, the Dolphins are on a completely different end of the spectrum this year. I mean, I know there are some, definitely some diehard fans, but there's so much talk about players wanting trades. They're one out of Miami and, yeah. and talks, uh, you know, just talk of people within the team, you know, maybe in different parts of the organization saying that they're throwing games so that they get a better draft pick. And I'm, I don't even know if that's true or not, but I'm like, Oh my goodness, how terrible for my team to be associated with being in intentional losers. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's why I look at it. I was like, uh, okay, what, you know, where do you go from here? Well, fortunately you can only go up. Well, well the thing is like, if you're, the thing is, if you're hinging, all your hopes on on a draft pick that's not even a solid move because the draft pick is not promised to do to do anything yeah i mean you can draft somebody but let's say you draft a quarterback but if you don't have the team for it what good it's not going to do you any good it's just a waste of a quarterback yeah so yeah uh, we've kind of we really haven't had a team since ricky williams and i think ronnie brown was the running back the original when they when in the pros in recent history where they brought in the wildcat offense and that kind of, it's yeah. very common now and kind of everybody does it, but the resurgence actually happened with the dolphins and with those guys, just incredible running backs. And yeah. when all of that was happening, defense is pretty sound and two great running backs. I mean, I think Ricky Williams had over 2000 yards, like one year, two years, Ronnie Brown showed a lot of promise. And then, you know, that all disintegrated and the Dolphins have been, I mean, we've been in a tailspin ever since. Man, it's it's tough. At least you guys have you guys have something to talk about, positive stuff. I mean, you still have Ezekiel Elliott, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot know. of drama about him, but I mean, I, sure. I follow them. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I'm keeping up with the with the Chiefs. I enjoy watching the Chiefs. They're they're mm. a lot of fun, especially with, like you said with uh, with Mahomes doing his thing, and, and it looks like he's having fun and. He's got amazing receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he just he just throws the ball and trusts his his receivers, and they most of the time they deliver. It's it's actually just a, a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So he he got injured, dislocated his kneecap, uh, did the MRI, and he was out a couple of days. It was questionable. They said he was going to be out a few weeks, um, but uh, they've seen him back at practice for a couple of days. So uh, there's a question mark. Maybe he'll he'll be back for the Packers. Oh, he needs to be. Yeah, I yeah, I think they're playing the Packers. Yeah, because the Packers are 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 on. And uh, what's his name? Rogers had an amazing uh, mm-hmm. previous game. 
I think he yeah. had like five touchdown passes and he just I think it was six. Six? I think it was I'm I'm almost positive it was six. Yeah, I think he had I saw a, a that. phenomenal game. Yeah, because it was like a you know, way up in the records as far as yeah touchdowns. Yeah, we'll see. I mean I would love to see them, you know, just win it all. That would be a really cool thing. To see who? them win and the to Packers? see the Chiefs win, not the oh, Packers. To, yeah, no, the, oh, my grief, wife would know. <laughs> no, not the Packers. No, my wife would would love that. She would go crazy. She gets into it. And she startles me a little bit. She she gets all riled <laughs> up when they score. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> like, uh, all right, let's take it easy. Let's go ahead. That's and awesome. But uh, she's she's a lot of fun to to be with when she's when she's watching her Chiefs. So, uh, so what do you think? Do you think the 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 Patriots are going to go undefeated? I don't think they'll go undefeated. Uh, they're saying this year they have a really – that their offense is actually not that great and that Brady's essentially gone down just to be a game manager. That's kind of the, that's kind of the talk. But their defense is, is really good. Yeah. I don't think they'll go undefeated, but I, uh, I would never say that even if I thought they would because my Miami Dolphins, I believe in 1972, was the only team to ever go undefeated. <laughs> so uh, I am, I'm not going to wish that upon my, my 72 dolphins. All right. So, okay. so I'm, I'm not even going to give it to him, even if I thought that was the case. I, I um, it's going to be interesting. I, I think they, they have a solid run to, to mm-hmm. take it back, especially the way they've been playing. And if they keep it up, I mean, the bills uh, are solid too. And the bill they're in the same division. So yeah. I believe they'll, play the bills one more time. I don't know the rest of their schedule, but they play the bills and the bills are, if it's a, they're both in the AFC East with the dolphins and the jets and they always outside of the dolphins this year, that's a tough division. Yeah. They, they play up to play one another. And I believe the bills have lost one game They They have a good team too. They've oh, been rebuilding for several years. Did you, uh, did you catch the memes on the, on the jets? That the quarterback was seeing ghosts when no. he played the Patriots. Oh last, last my goodness! Week on Monday, I think. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, he said something. Man, I, I'm seeing ghosts out there, or something. And they, <laughs> they turned him into yeah, the QB. They turned him into a meme, and oh, poor guy, man. He just oh, didn't. Terrible. He was just getting rattled by the by the defense. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like it, it was actually, it was footage, and and they had the 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 mic on, and he says like, man, I'm seeing ghosts out there. So it's not like, oh, he might have said that. It's clearly, uh, you can clearly hear it. That's what he said. That's awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah. All right, man. All right. So that's that's the NFL talk for for this week. And um, we're going to go into our last segment. And uh, if if you're ready for this, we're going to go ahead and jump into the man code. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. And the man code is? The man code chivalry. Yes, the man code is going to be about chivalry. Yes. And uh, the thing you forgot to do is because I'm going to throw in my little uh, intro there. So uh, (laughs) the little intro that I that smooth smooth Mm -hmm. man code intro that I have. So we're gonna we're gonna go. We're gonna talk about chivalry on the man code. It's time for the man code. Rules that men should follow, but probably won't. Can't say we didn't tell you. So yes, uh, we're going to discuss chivalry. 
and yeah. how it, we believe, Chad and I believe, that it's not dead and it's actually essential in, in modern, modern times. Absolutely. So what, what are your thoughts on that, my brother? Well, I, I think chivalry is, is very much alive, and I think that it is a, it, it is a great thing. And I think as, as a man, it's just a way of showing kindness. You know, I, I haven't always done this, but for years I have, there's different examples of chivalry, of course, historically going all the way back to the Knights. But uh, for me, opening the door for my wife, uh, helping her up, you know, if we're at a restaurant, I hold my hand out to help her up out of the seat, to help her up out of the car, help her up onto steps or something. It's just a matter of being kind. It's not that she can't get out of the car. It's not that she isn't capable of getting out of the car or of doing those things, but I want to be kind as a man to, and be a gentleman. So, and it's, it's not only being kind in that way, but it's also being the protector. Exactly. And, uh, well, while I was doing a little uh, research on it, like you said, it did come from, it started, originated, uh, or came from the Knights, or that's mm -hmm. when it was popular, popularized. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it meant uh, to be strong in battle, mm -hmm. to go out there and fight the war, and also come back and be loyal and, and uh, kind, be meek uh, yes. to the elderly, be nice to the elderly, the young, and also be loyal to, to, the, king, to the kingship. Right. The royal family to be to honor them and be kind mm -hmm. and be respectful. So it's it's two extremes mm -hmm. kind of merging together and meeting in the middle. And uh, of course, um, when we're talking about that is that you embrace the that. That warrior mentality, that protector, you know, protect your kingdom mentality. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you come back, you also uh, have that meek spirit. You know, you're kind. And mm -hmm. respectful of, of authority, you're respectful of, of elderly people or people around you. Be kind, and especially when you come mm -hmm. home, like you said, to your wife, mm -hmm. and, and be that protector, and also be that that tender side. So, I guess uh, the problem that we're seeing now is that uh, there is no uh, marriage between the two, between that warrior and uh, that meek uh, right. spirit of a, of a person. It's either you're soft and meek completely embraced mm -hmm. or you're completely embracing uh that that fighter mentality and which and we all know uh most things in in excess or in extremes are just aren't good yeah absolutely so i i think it's a, it's a, it's a art or it's a a thing that we have to practice you know to mm -hmm. be that protector that that uh, be able to be ready in battle or when the time comes where we have to fight. And then when we come home, take off, the, take off that armor and be able to, to help uh, others and be kind to, to the people we love. And of course, uh, like, like I mentioned, you know, they were loyal to the kingship to higher authority. So um, we don't have Kings now, they, but nowadays, but perhaps people that are in authority or mm -hmm. people that are above us or, or our superiors, uh, be able to be loyal to them and respectful. So I, I think in, in that perspective, chivalry needs uh, to come back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because we, we, we're, right now we're seeing a bunch of soft men. And if they're not soft, they're incarcerated because they've embraced full uh, savagery. Right. Or they're not very, uh, I guess, 
uh, people to get along with very well, right? Because they've they've just embraced the violent side of themselves. Yeah, it reminds me of a of a great book that I read years ago, and the book was written by someone who uh, who was a Green Beret in Vietnam, and then after that, he actually took on the pastorate. Uh, took on the pastor of a church. So imagine those two extremes. Yeah, very so, extreme. <laughs> Green Bray in Vietnam and then went into the pastorate. And the title of the book is Tender Warrior. Wow. And so it's a it's a a great mixture of not only his story, and his name is Stu Weber. It's not only just the the picture of his story and his life, but yet I think that that's really what we're talking about here. It's uh, part of chivalry is that is that tenderness in the being a gentleman, but yet also being the warrior, being the soldier, being the protector, being the defender when needed. And and I, I love what you said. It's like if we go into either one of those extremes, we're going to err in some way. We're either going to be really soft and passive, a man with no spine, or we're going to be on the other side where we're going to be the brute meathead that no one wants to be around. Yeah. You know, that we're the, you know, <laughs> I have a word, but I'm not going to use the word <laughs> to, uh, to offend people. But, uh, but kind of going e- either one of those two extremes that I think we miss the essence of manhood, which is why I think chivalry is very much alive. It needs to have a resurgence. It's, it's a way of being both tender and yet the warrior. Yeah, both at the same both time. Uh, dichotomies. Right. Both extremes, embracing them and meeting in the middle. And and as I was reading, it's something that that it's not, okay, this is a way. It's something that needs to be practiced. So it's something that you need to do purposefully. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you have any examples, any examples of of chivalry or or things that you do uh, in your life, you know, for, uh, let's say, your your wife or uh, I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah. Well, I mentioned a couple. Um, what I do is, is I do open the door. I, I honor her by not talking over her. Her voice isn't as loud as mine. Yeah. So part of if chivalry is I'm, I, I usually feel like I have something to say and I usually feel like it's valuable, <laughs> but, but what I'll do, right. And so I, I will intentionally not speak just to honor her. So her voice can be heard because she has incredible things to say and she's incredibly smart and she's wise and she's, she's strong in a bunch of areas that I'm not. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the ways I do open the door for her um, as a way of honoring her. She wasn't raised that way, but that's something that, that we've embraced. I don't even know what year of our marriage, probably, um, probably in the range of 15 years ago, I started doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if she's taking a step up, I, I will wait and I will help her take that step up yeah. just by holding her hand. Mm-hmm. I will uh, do those types of things, uh, even in a situation to where I believe part of my responsibility, and this is going to be probably common with you and most of, of your listeners we go to a restaurant. I do think that is my responsibility as protector and warrior in a sense. Uh, the knighthood, if you will, yeah. is to be the protector. So I'll always have my, my back to the wall and my, my face to the door of okay. whatever is going on. So yeah. situational awareness. 
Um, so I put myself in that situation and, and my wife knows this, like she, she will position herself and she'll know that I want to be towards the door. And so that is, that goes into it as well. Mm-hmm. And really chivalry isn't just for my wife. It's also for my daughter. You know, I, I open the door for my daughter too. When we go on dates and yeah. she's 16 yeah, and, and we do that. And, and what I have, uh, what I have practiced to her is, is what a man should be like and what a man should do. And mm-hmm. I, I've given her that example and hopefully that I've given her a good example so that she would go out and find a man who's, who's going to be good to her and going to honor her and, uh, and lead her well. But I've been that example and chivalry has been a part of it. Yeah. And to, uh, Another part of it too, and I don't know if this is so much chivalry, but the relational side of it, tender and warrior, kind of the merging of those two things is just honestly just honoring the person who's in front of you. And what does the person in front of me need right now? Does the person in front of me, if they need my attention, then I'm going to give them my attention. If it's my wife, if it's my daughter, if it's my son, if it's, if it's you, if it's a friend yeah. who's here, what does the person need? What, what does this situation require of me? Does it require the the tender side or the warrior side? Yeah. And I think that would, that would fall into an aspect of chivalry. Right. And I will defend her honor in any of their honor in two seconds if need be. And I believe that that's my responsibility is to defend their honor. Right. So just as a man and uh, of course, and I agree with you a hundred percent in the chivalrous side and, and again, kind of merging those, those two realities, the tender and warrior. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, as I was thinking about it, um, of course, you know, uh, the tender side, listening and, and doing mm-hmm. the simple things. My wife loves when I do the simple things and she lets me know. And, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing when they let you know, because uh, fortunately we aren't gifted with the ability of mind reading. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, she, she lets me know and, and, um, that encourages me to, to build on that and to continue to do it. But also, uh, I was thinking about it because uh, obviously we, uh, back then it was like, you're either a peasant or a knight and you're automatically drafted to go to war when there's right. a battle. Uh, yeah. we don't have that nowadays. Mm-hmm. Would, uh, I was thinking about, well, how can you be chivalrous now in, in that aspect? How about, uh, protecting your home, you know, protecting mm-hmm. what your children watch? Uh, protecting what you yes. let, uh, what you allow into your home to possibly mm-hmm. influence your children uh, from what you know, the, or, or what you allow them to do on the computer, or what you allow them to do on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, that can also be uh, a part of that warrior mentality because you're protecting them from potential right. danger. So uh, that's another aspect that that could be considered uh, or under the the umbrella of being chivalrous. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. And um, in, in, in all of those areas, and you know, it's unfortunate when we come home that a lot of times is the area that we, you know, we just put our guard down and maybe we take things or people for granted. Yeah. And yet that's when the, the chivalrous side of us needs to come alive, you know, when we're at home and, and protecting, physically protecting, protecting their honor, protecting purity. Yeah. You know, with uh, 
protecting my, innocence, my wife. Protecting it, innocence. Yeah. Purity, you know, yeah. protecting their heart from corruptible things. So yeah, very much a part of what I think a man should do yeah. uh, as he's leading his home well. So, so I mean, uh, given what we discussed, I, I think it's fair to say that chivalry, and maybe not in its uh, original sense, mm-hmm. as far as you know, going out and wielding your uh, your sword, right. but uh, in modern times, the protection of of the heart and uh, mm-hmm. of the minds of the people you love, uh, battling in that aspect, and then coming home and being tender as well, and respecting authority. I think, yeah, I think chivalry is is quite, quite uh, alive and applicable in modern times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think we're going to finish at that, my brother. Cool. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and uh, end it at that. I want to thank you, Chad, so much for taking the time and uh, taking the opportunity to co- co-pilot this, uh, this episode today. It, it was quite fun. I, I, I enjoyed the last one we did. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I've gotten to know you a little better. We've exchanged mm-hmm. messages. We we stay in contact. So this was a uh, this was a little different. Had a different feel, only because I've gotten to know you better, and and I appreciate yeah. that. And uh, I, I want to thank you personally for uh, I, I thank God for crossing paths with you. You've been a, a a good thing in my life as far as a, a good influence and a friend, mm-hmm. and I, I appreciate that. So thank you uh, so much for for. Uh, you know, taking me up on this offer to co-pilot today's uh, podcast. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. It's super good. And uh, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. I just want to encourage you, you know, you're helping guys everywhere. You're helping me. Your, your posts are thought provoking. Your podcasts are thought provoking. We need, we need more of this message out there. So I was, uh, I was great to be able to do it. I'm glad that uh, we officially were able to land this thing without, without nosing it in. So uh, with me as your co-pilot and uh, we made, we we made right. it, we made it. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And uh, I look forward to hearing and uh, reading more of your work later. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll definitely, uh, hopefully in the future, we can do this again. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Sounds good to me. All, All right. right. Okay. Until next time, my brother. All right. Bye-bye. All right.